You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. You know, there's a couple other, th- oh gosh, I had one uh, one question on the tip of my tongue and I've already forgot it as you were going into it, but... Uh, Brandon Jaggers. I guess uh, when, oh gosh, Craig Allen, you got any more? Because I, I forgot it and it's <laughs> so good. And me, CC brought us. A Wisconsin woman has murdered her boyfriend while they were having a meth-fueled sex party. Hello and welcome to Episode number 105 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. This is the Hangover Edition. As we celebrated Kentucky Derby 148 over the weekend, I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you doing? Uh, great. This is the obligatory podcast derby recap, review, uh, comment, uh, what are your thoughts episode or whatever. There's a thousand of them, but we're number 1,001, so let's do it, right? And Brandon Jaggers is the third leg of our podcast tripod <laughs> and he's not here yet he's supposed to be joining us later maybe he's got plumbing issues i hear so in his uh, house we'll in his house just to be clear in his house not his body <laughs> in his house so uh let's get right to it kentucky derby 148 was won by an 80 to 1 upsetter named rich strike and lo and behold, Rich Strike uh, was a fixture on the Turfway Park circuit over the winter. Uh, surprising. Uh, just an uh, incredible performance. Great ride by Sonny Leon. Let's start out with Sonny Leon, the jockey. Uh, he's uh, well-known in, in Ohio, northern Kentucky, especially had a good, had a good winter, I think, at uh, Turfway. Uh, bet a little Mahoning Valley sometimes on Mondays or Tuesdays if I've got free time. And, and the announcer... When Sonny Leon enters the winter circle, he says, uh, it's another sunny day in Mahoning Valley. And uh, Sonny Leon is a Kentucky Derby winning jockey. That is just unbelievable. I cannot believe that those words came out of my mouth. It is mind-blowing, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's wonderful. It is, it's, it's fantastic. This, this is a Kentucky podcast. I'm a turfway guy. We know that, right? So we, you and I are very familiar with Sonny Leon. Uh He's a guy that you have a tendency to overlook. You know, he's got he bags a ton of wins every year, right? He's a he's the consummate journeyman. A lot of people don't know him outside this region, but uh, he does well around these parts. He's an everyday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, smaller circuit kind of smaller track kind of guy. And I, I cannot understand how you cannot pull for somebody and just feel just awesome for someone. His life just changed, right? That's what we like to see. We like to see people's lives change. You talk about having a life-changing score. Well, it doesn't just work that way for your tickets and stuff. It works that way in real life. And Sonny Leon just, just had – and he earned it. He deserves every bit of the, the praise he's getting. That was a tremendous ride. Hats off to him. Oh, yeah. When you think about it, he had to, to start from post number 20, work his way over uh, down the stretch. He, I think he was only three wide going into the first turn. Now, he was at the back of the pack. But he uh, he gradually closed into the, to the ridiculous pace. Had to extract the horse from trouble, which yes. was could have ended his hopes at the top of the stretch. I know everybody, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen the overhead that NBC provided. Which is fantastic, which is 
viral by now. Everybody comments on it, but go ahead. Right, and but you get to see that his hope should have ended right there, but mm. uh, uh, I think it was classic Causeway. Maybe that was directly in front of him, and then he faded quickly, and uh, and Sonny took his place there, and then just dove to the rail, and then on top of that, he had to steer out of the of the way of uh, a horse that was in reverse that was Messier. Yeah. And that didn't kill his momentum, which should have killed his momentum going to 10 furlongs. And the horse kept coming and coming and coming. And, uh, we thought we were seeing a duel for the ages between Epicenter and Zandon. And that was not to be, uh, Sonny Leone and Rich Strike had other ideas. And yes. right at the wire, it was just an incredible, incredible, incredible ride. That's Calvin Burrell-esque. It's, it, you know, it's by now everybody knows the story. They've seen all the thoughts and things. Of course, we have to provide our thoughts. That's what we're going to be doing here. But uh, one of those thoughts, this is a Disney-type story. This is one that if you wrote the script beforehand, you wouldn't believe it, right? Uh, the horse had to wait to the very last second to get in. He had to have multiple scratches before the need be considered. Um, he, he only had 21 points. Uh, the horse came out of a claiming race last uh last fall at Churchill. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of things that had to fall into place, right? For this to even for him to even get in the starting gate, then to talk about winning, it's 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 phenomenal. And uh, it, again, I've I've made the, the joke. I mean, it's not even a joke. I hear a lot of people. I want to write the screenplay. I want to write the screenplay. I want to have a, a supporting role in it. Do you? You want to be you want to be an extra in this movie that's that's bound to get made, right? That's fine with me. I'll do it. I'd be happy. I acted in high school. I can I can bust out a few lines, but uh, it is. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I, I thought Red Shark was gonna win. I don't. No one's gonna tell you that, right? I admire everybody that did. There's, a, but that said, there's a lot of people that did win on the horse. I mean, we had, I had a party here at the house. My, my uh, niece's husband had nine to win on the horse. Don't ask me how he had nine to win, but he did. And Stephen Keith, shout out to him. I know of other people. I know a guy at work that had 200 across on the horse. Don't ask me how, but he did. So, you know, when you say that it's, it's, it's impossible to have, it wasn't impossible to have it for everybody because he's only 80 to one, right? So, I'll tell you who probably cleaned up was, was the uh, local bookies that had the derby parties. Yeah, yeah. I know of one particular party in Bardstown where the there was only one ticket cashed on the derby. Somebody had $5 to win on uh, on Rich Strike, which what, is, what does that pay? Three, three four $400, I guess. Yeah. They paid 160 to win, so 160 about $400. That was the only ticket cashed on all the money that was bet on the derby. So the, the bookie cleaned up. But bookies uh, only, only pay like twenty to one, right? If I'm mistaken, they they cap it at twenty to one, I think. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. But uh, we shouldn't go any further without talking about uh, the winning trainer too. That's Eric Reed, who's uh, you know he's been on this circuit as long as I've been betting horses. It mm-hmm. feels like uh, you know he's uh, not not one that turns out a lot of stakes horses. Uh, uh, he trains for Jerry Jamgotian, who you know has. Giving him some good horses over the years, but uh, you know nothing like this, of course. Uh, and you know he he trains a big string of horses here in Lexington or at the Mercury Equine Center. But he's uh, head horse. He you know runs horses in Mountaineer, Ohio, Mahoning Valley, Belterra, wherever they fit in. You know that's that's where he usually races his horses. But this is a, absolutely anomaly. And, uh, you know, good for him because he had some bad luck a few years ago when uh, his barn caught on fire and killed, you know, over 20 head of horses. And that, that was painful. And then the, I think he's had, had some other bad luck with uh, uh, maybe a, I think it was a son or a grandson that passed away. I believe so. 
Yeah, and then, you know, it's just, uh, it's, this is good. Good, uh, a happy ending. Maybe the ending is not over. It is, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we talk about this. We want a drama free derby. We don't want this Baffert stuff, blah, blah, blah. We don't want inquiries or controversy. There you go. You got the absolute antithesis of that. You've got the ultimate feel good story. I cannot understand how someone cannot embrace that. This is, this is fantastic. Uh, full disclosure, we have wanted to have Eric Reed on the show for a couple of weeks. We were waiting for him to get in officially into the derby. We were going to ask him on hindsight. I wish we had because we were pulling for him. We pulled for the local guys. Uh, but I think at the time he was like 22nd listed to not look like he's going to get in. And by the time, uh, he officially did get in, which was like 10 minutes before the scratch deadline on Friday morning, of course, you know, that ship had sailed. So uh, we're not going to get him now, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got multiple uh, interviews and stuff. Maybe we could. I don't know. But uh, I could not be happy for a salt of the earth, regular Joe trainer. That's that's what it's about, man. These guys, you saw that per, that uh, party in the paddock, guys with the mullets, and the guy with the NASCAR jacket. That's who won the Kentucky Derby this year, and I think it is absolutely awesome. So did you uh... – do you even look at the past performances of this horse when he drew in? I, I didn't have to because, uh, I, I, you know, you and I are kind of a lot alike. We, we see so much of this stuff. We almost have an eidetic memory. We know the races. We know where they finish. I know, I know all about Rich Strike before he got here. I know a lot of people probably doesn't, don't. Uh, but because this is a Kentucky podcast and I follow Turfway so closely, I know all about the horse. It's, it's Eric Reed. He had the, the claiming race where he got entered at, uh, Churchill actually won my 17 when they dropped him into a 30 claimer. He ran at, uh, Turfway twice in the Bataglia and the Ruby. He ran fourth and one, ran third and the other, just enough to get him on the points list. So no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I thought he was going to win. I, I will tell you my, my, uh, synopsis of Rich Strike. We didn't talk about him on air last week. I think we may have mentioned him briefly because like a lot of podcasts, a lot of, they didn't know he's in the race. I thought he was a horse of the run all day who had passed tired horses because he can't get distance. Eric Reed's best horses have a tendency to run uh, a distance of ground. I thought he would run seventh or eighth past straggling horses. And it's, he's a horse that you would look at to the races over. Like, oh, look, for, look, that 120 to one shot for Eric Reed just ran eighth in the derby. Good for him. That's what I thought would happen with a uh, rich strike. I didn't think he had the kind of acceleration he did to win the race because his turn of foot was, you don't see turn of foot like that down the stretch of mile and a quarter. You know, I know the pace was fast, but my God. Did you look at the PPs? Did you? No, I didn't. I didn't have enough time. You know, we were, we were entering the Church of Downs backside when that was announced, right? Or, or close to it. And, uh, you know, it, there was 85 other races to handicap. And so I didn't, I, I knew the horse's race in the, in the Jeff Ruby stakes. I knew he came from behind. He was, he barely got up to get third. I think he was rolling late. What I didn't know was the, uh, the late, you know, pace figures. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he, of course, in, I would have never used this horse. Never would have used this horse. But in hindsight, he did have a, a strong late kick as the, the Brisnet past performances show. And, you know, it, it makes sense. Now, what doesn't make sense is other horses that weren't uh, closing as fast as he was. You know, right. Like the Mo, Mo Donegals and, uh, you know, those type of horses that came from come from the clouds. They, they did not. They were no-shows, essentially. Barber Road. That Barber Road was was the, the prototypical type of horse that was going to close into this pace mm-hmm. and pick off runners and, and would get there. And, and this horse out did Barber Road. So yeah. but, uh, ironically, ironically, the three of us, you and me and Brandon, 
were at this horse's debut at Ellis Park last That's year. That's right. That's that right. Was the, that was the day of the groupie doll stakes when Dream a Little Dream of You ran in the groupie doll. And we were all down there, and it was the last race on the card, and I have no recollection of the horse at all, but I know he, he ran poorly. But it, the, the funny thing is Sarah Hamilton's horse, Call Me Gusto, won the race that day. And, you know, that's how her she came career, Her first career win. Right, and and she came on our radar. Uh, but, uh, you know, lo and behold, that, that race produced the Kentucky Derby winner, which is just insane. You know, uh, one thing that I'm fairly adamant about is the horse was 80 to 1. Let's face it, he should have been 120 to 1. There was some late money that came into the computers that made him. He was 99 to 1 the majority of the time. Uh, yeah, he was 99 to 1. So what? This horse legitimately earned that win. He, You touched on it a second ago, and we talk about uh, it was the pace fast. Yeah, the pace was fast. Of course it was. Uh but this this pace scenario benefited the two best horses, theoretically the two best horses in a race, Epicenter and Zandon. I bet Zandon. Uh, if you tell me before this race that the way that that's, that scenario is going to play out, that Epicenter and Zandon would be sitting mid-pack there in the 8th to 12th range getting dream trips, I thought this race was over, the way that threw up. And this horse still ran them down. Those two horses had the perfect trips. They're extremely good horses, extremely talented, extremely highly talented horses, and this horse still passed them late. The other horses couldn't do that. Moldonegal could not do that. Barber Road could not do that. Simplification around well could not do that. This horse had to kick the rest of them. It was a absolute. It was not um, a false win. It was not a fluke. He he went out there and beat these horses. The pace was fast, but the other horses couldn't keep up with him late. And I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can deal with delegitimize his win whatsoever. He beat the two he beat the two top dogs who were not stopping, who got dream runs, and he actually got shut off a little bit. I I mean, is he gonna win the pregnancy? I doubt it. I don't know. I'm not gonna say he is, I'm not gonna say he isn't. But just because the horse is eighty to one does not mean just because just because you didn't have it does not mean that that he did not deserve to win that race. I heard someone mention that uh, Epicenter was the best horse in the race. Like, well I really don't give a shit. Uh, since when is picking the best horse in the race the the ideal thing? We're supposed to pick the winner of the race, right? And that factors a lot of things into it. He was the winner of the race, and he was the rightful winner of the race, and I, I can't take anything away from him. It happens all the time at every racetrack in America. They go too fast, and and, and weird things happen. And, but well, this horse earned it. There's no doubt about it. He earned it. Yeah, that's the thing I'm talking about, though. The, the pace was fast, but that fast pace benefited the two favorites. And don't get me wrong, I wanted Zandon to win. That pace benefited them the most, and he still passed them on the square. It's it's a remarkable scenario. It's it's straight out of a Hollywood script. So, did you pick up the horse in the stretch, or, or how did how did you see the race uh, at the eighth pole, sixteenth pole? Like everybody else, I was focused because, and again, as I, as I mentioned, I bet Zandon, and like everybody else, it looked to me like those two epicenter really. Rosario gave Epicenter a great ride. When he hit the when he hit the front, he pushed the gas and got a little bit of separation from Zandon. And but it still thought it still looked like initially Zandon was going to go by him. So those two separate themselves, right? So like everybody else in America, I was watching those two horses. And it, as you know, as you're an avid race watcher, you know it's sometimes it's harder to tell if a horse when they're rallying inside if they're making ground or they're not making ground. Sometimes you get fooled by that, don't you? So I did see a horse coming, but I did not think he was going to catch him. 
So I, I can't say that I didn't pick the horse up until like the last, I don't know, 100 yards. And even then I didn't know who it was. I'm like a lot of people. I thought it might have been Happy Jack for a second, which I, I'd have taken. I'd have taken Rich Strike over Happy Jack, but right. uh, because you know that I think Sonny Leone has leg over the one, so it did look like the two, right? So no, I, I did pick him up the last hundred yards, but I didn't know who it was. Did you? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm like everybody else in America. I was watching. I, I had the pick. I would have had the pick five, the late pick five, if either Epicenter or Zandon had won. And then I would have had uh, I would have had the trifecta. I had simplification in my try for a dollar, I think. So I mean, oh. I would have it, it would have been a great day, you know, for me. It would have. Yeah. I, and right when they reached the wire, I was like, "Rich strike," <laughs> and I was just like, I was so blown away and just in disbelief. But immediately after the race, I'm like, you know, I lost everything here, but I'm glad that horse won. Yeah, if you're gonna get beat, that's who you want to get beat by, right? It right. seems like to me, you don't want to get beat, but uh, you know, I, you know, you get maybe they'll give you a free movie pass when the movie comes out next year to kind of tone for it a little bit. I, I don't know if that helps or not. It took me five minutes after the race to to reconcile what had happened. I agree. Because, I can understand like, this, that. It's impossible. This this is impossible. This is it's the same way that I, I was at the 2009 Derby. That mind that bird one, and I was about at, I was at the eighth pole, I think, for the sixteenth. That was the eighth pole, and this is the only time in Derby history I had to look down at my program to to find out who that horse was that passed me. And I'm like, mind that bird, like there is no this race is fixed. There's no way this horse the way he won it. There he won, but you know what are you what are you about six lengths? It's uh, I think this is more improbable than mind that bird's victory, don't you? Because mind that bird did have some acclaim to him. He did have, I think he was a stakes winner in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. He was a two-year-old champ in Canada, yeah, something like that. But but you know he, I think he came in off of two subpar races in New Mexico, and you know, at that time, at that point, the Sunland Park Derby was not. That was pre-Derby points too, right? It was he he got in on earnings. Just happened to have a lot of earnings as a two-year-old, but that you know, we got, you know, but that was a sloppy track too, right? You're gonna maybe you can attribute the sloppy track. Um, what else was there that time? Something else about the, well, I mean, he had previous form. You can make some and Calvin Burrell was on more of a name jockey, maybe not quite to that, but uh, the the similarity was the the ride. Yeah, the ride on both. I mean, that was as brilliant a ride or a daring of, of a ride. For, uh, for mind that bird as it was as rich rich strike I mean it's just you know the, the shortest way home and uh, when other jockeys are doing their best to go five six seven eight wide he you know he uh, both Sonny Leon and Calvin Burrell you know chose the chose the the algebra path the geometry path <laughs> the, the shortest way around so you know what I find funny is everybody's like, Tis the bomb can't win. He's coming from Polytrack or he's coming from a Tapita and something like he can't win, he can't win, he's got turf for him. Well, you know what? The horse that Tis the bomb beat twice on Tapita won the Kentucky Derby. So that almost is like Tis the bomb didn't run that bad. I think he might run ninth or so, but well, you know another data point, stolen base came out of those right. two races turfway and and he wound up winning the American turf. Yeah. Yeah, what's it called now? Is that what it's called? The American Turf Stakes on the undercard, and it was fairly impressive doing that. So the, the Jeff Ruby, the much maligned Jeff Ruby, because they gave him a hundred points. It's like, don't worry about that crap. Just handicap the races that are in front of you and quit bitching all the time. The Jeff Ruby comes back with Tis the Bomb, comes back with Stolen Base, comes back with Rich Strike. I think they acquitted himself pretty well. Not to mention Tawny Port running a respectable seventh too. Correct? 
Yeah, well, he's uh, a stakes winner coming out. Yeah, he, just, he won the Lexington. So, yeah. how about you let these races? Uh, was as was that politician say that let the cake bake before you start to going off all the time or just just arguing for the sake of arguing? Uh, handicap the races, do the best you can or whatever, and take it as they come. But yeah, shout out to Jay. Uh, Caitlin Free Day Ruz, she got to see a lot of uh derby horses up at Turfway at Turfway Park this meet. Uh, she that was a they're on the upswing as we've said numerous times, right? Oh yeah, well hopefully they're here to stay now after the debacle of the last ownership that nearly shuttered the track, and it, it did get that close to, to shuttering the track down. That was yeah, uh, that was really in cards, but uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad they found new life here, and hopefully hope they continue to grow the track. I'll, I'll be making a lot of trips up there over the winter. Hopefully, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we need to talk about the post race annex of uh, <laughs> of the horse. Uh, the first time I'd ever seen that in, in all my years of watching Derby coverage, you know, that one of the things NBC Sports wants to do is they want Donna Barton Brothers, another previous guest on our podcast, they want her to interview the winning jockey. And it is outrider Greg Blasey's job to corral the horse and just make sure that the, that interview happens. Well, Rich Stride did not want any of that. He, he was, he has a temper apparently. And uh, as we learned over over the past 48 hours, the horse has a mind of his own. He wants he wants things done his way. So uh, immediately it became a meme on Twitter and and whatnot. I think Barstool Sports joined in, and uh, here we go. You know, with the, the mistreatment of, of the Kentucky Derby winner immediately after the race. But that is not the case. No, of course not. No, Alan, you want to take it from here? Well, I gotta be honest with you. Again, I have a party every year, so it gets a little hectic. And after the, I didn't see this happen in real time. I didn't know about it until a couple hours later. Of course, when I logged on to Twitter a couple hours later, I know I found about this. I thought everybody's happy about the result. I found that they were not. Everybody's kind of pissed off because they're, apparently their ticket didn't come in. I get like, that's all that matters in the real world. Uh, but no, I did not know this happened in real time. I quit. We were too busy here. But he had his leg in his mouth. I mean, what would you do, right? <laughs> you got a 1,200 pound animal, got his leg in your mouth. You got to do something, right? I saw the, the gash marks on the horse, his the outrider horse's neck. It's like, oh, that's pretty severe. I, I got to give uh, Rich Strike a little credit for having that much energy after doing what he just did going a mile and a quarter, right? That's kind of amazing to me. But uh, Greg Blasey caught a lot of hell for no reason, didn't he? Greg Blasey has a thankless job. I can Obviously. imagine. Now we know this, but he, you know, we, you and I have seen several, several times a horse get loose. Oh, yeah. And that's what, that's Blasey's job and the other outriders as well. They have to go corral that horse, and that is a dangerous job. Yeah. And I, I know for a fact that Blasey is, is all horsemanship. Uh, he, he broke a horse for me a long time ago. Oh, really? He, Who yeah, was it? He did, uh, pick three punchy. Do you remember oh, that? I remember, I remember that horse. Yeah. But he broke that horse and, and did a good job because that, that horse was a little cantankerous. But, uh, yeah, just leave Blasey alone. He, he did his job. Horses are mean animals. You know, some are really gentle. Some, I mean, they're all, they're, they're like human beings. They all have their different personalities. And, and obviously, Rich Strike's personality is probably, is, he's not somebody you want to hang out with on, on a regular basis. But, uh, he, you know, he, he sure is fast. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, Let's leave Mr. Blasey alone. He he he's excellent at his job, and we need him out there. Uh, he he protects a lot of horse flesh and, and lays his life on the line. And that's, Amen. That's a lot. So, Amen. Uh, from the uh, noise in the background, I think we're being joined 
by our, as I called it, the third leg of the tripod. <laughs> of the <ball. laughs> and that's Brandon Jaggers. Brandon Jaggers has, has joined us. How's it going? Hey, guys. Oh, uh, well, you know, after the weekend, I had a leaky pipe and then I broke my phone and apparently I've got two Skype profiles and these new iPhones are great technology. I was on a seven. Now I'm on a 12. Uh, and I guess they could pick my, pick the sound up a lot better on the microphone than last time. But have other than seen, that, pretty good. Have you seen a doctor about your leaky pipe? Uh, they're on their way over. At that age, at that age, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So, uh, Brandon, did did you have the winner of the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, no, I didn't. And I went out to the track, you know, four out of the five days they raced and, uh, couldn't have caught off, been more caught off guard than that. I saw the, I saw Ridge Strike one morning and I had no idea who he was. So, cause uh, he was wearing the, the, the saddle cloth. I think it was on Thursday when I was out there in the morning. So, or Tuesday, it was Tuesday was when I was out there. But, um, you know, I will, you know, tell everybody and you guys already know I hit the $1 super effect on the Oaks race. So that was great. And, Congratulations. uh, Congratulations. yeah, it was phenomenal. I was getting my butt kicked all day. We, we actually went and had, uh, a table in the out, uh, what is it? The room called Aristides. What is it called? Aristides. Yeah. Aristides room. He's famous. And, uh, yeah, I've heard. Of oh him. yeah. Oh yeah. But it was awesome. They had a, a band inside there, a full table bar. And it was only $300 for the ticket. I'm going to give props to folks at Churchill Downs for helping us get that and securing that table. And, uh, it, it turned out to be fun. The Derby day was rough. I, I will say I could never complete even a pick three. So I, I guess I was just didn't do a good job. So, um, well, I had the Cox horse in the last race. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. You and everybody else, I think, uh, I had him two in my pick five. Of course, I didn't have Rich Strike, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, moving right along with our, our derby discussion, uh, a few storylines I want to touch on. Uh, guys, uh, Bob Baffert obviously suspended for two years. He's, uh, had his horses transferred to the barn, uh, Tim Yakteen, at least the derby horses. That was Messier and Taba. Uh, is this a storyline that the, uh, those horses didn't run their race? I think one of them had a real excuse. Messier was attached to that fast pace, but, uh, Taba was, was nowhere to be seen, never a factor in the race. Is this a storyline? Uh, how do you look at it if it is a storyline that, uh, <sighs> the backer horses were a no show in the derby? Well, I didn't like Taba to begin with. I'll tell you, I, I couldn't believe Taba was five to one. I knew the horse get bet down, but how in the hell do you bet a horse up two starts five to one in the Derby when there's so many other viable options? Uh, I, I didn't like that horse at all. I'm not gonna say I was right about other things, but I, I didn't get that. So I'm gonna give that one a bit of a pass. I don't think a horse should be in the race. I, it, that's just too much with 160, 170,000 people, horse that experienced. Not my thing. Now Messier, Messier, um, was part of that fast pace. Messier bit a little too early, in my opinion, than the fast pace. I don't think it mattered any because he, he stopped badly, but it was weird that he bit as, as quickly as he did. He should be a little more patient. So is it, is it a, is it a thing? I don't know. Uh, I, I, it's, it's a thing to me because we've had so many knocks in the last few years with this race. 
that this is such a great story. Put aside your differences for a minute, whether you cash a ticket or not. That's irrelevant to me. This is a great story. This is the absolute story you would you would want to have coming out of this race. And if you don't believe me, go on YouTube, go on NBC, go on. Yes, this is what people are talking about. This 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 horse winning is the talk of the country to some extent, outside of some other things right now. I go to work of a day. A lot of people don't know horse racing from Adam. I've had 40, 50 people come to me asking about this race. Nobody's ever asked me that before. This is a good thing. This horse winning is a good thing. He's going to have a He's got he's got the nation's interest peaked. Had Baffert had Messier or Tybal won, it would have been the complete opposite, right? So uh, that's the way I view it. Uh, is it a, is it something going forward? I don't know. It's too soon. It's 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 a one off thing. I don't know, but I just know that this result was a good thing for a sport that's fairly beleaguered and rightfully so. Lots of times, uh, Alan, I'm with you, man. But back to those two horses. You know, we saw them in the morning workouts. And, you know, the only thing I could knock about Messier was I just didn't think he had a lot of muscle. The horse is huge, but just not real ripped, you know, like the other horses, you know, would be or showing an appearance. But, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. I think that horse needs some time. I think the horse needs to grow up in his frame still a little bit more. He may have lost some weight out of those last couple races to where he, he you know, where he did falter in the last Insanity Derby. And then Taba, I only got to see the horse one time, so I couldn't tell you heads or tails. And I think when it came down to really betting, I only covered Messier. I didn't even take Taba because of the inexperience. And, you know, I wish I would have uh, looked elsewhere. And, yeah, <laughs> and that, like Alan said, yeah, I mean, the story is, is Eric Reed and Sonny Leon. I mean, and then I don't know if you all ever watch uh, – there's only like two – Two publications I found, I guess, if you will, there's, it's called like the real players on the backside and then another, just a new, a local news anchor on W, I think it was DRB or LKY that interviewed the connections of Rich Strike. And they were the only two prior to the race in the groom, uh, what was his name? He's a, he's got a, a long standing name. Um, yes, that's right. And so. He was like guaranteeing the win prior to them even, you know, I think being entered into the race. So yeah. it was just kind of a remarkable thing. I put it on Twitter a couple of things. Those interviews, they were such a big deal. Uh, but man, I, I want to go to his track where he trains. I mean, he's probably getting so much attention. He's sick of it by now. Uh, he's been on every, uh, news channel. And I mean, he was on ABC this morning or, you know, all those morning shows. So uh, my hat's off to them. I hope we we'll see them at Churchill Downs running a couple uh, while the meet's still still around. Going back to Taba, he went off five point eight to one. Crazy. If Bob Baffert was training this horse, though, what, what would his golf odds be? I'm going to say not much less. I'm going to say maybe nine to two because I think people knew. People knew. People act like they don't want Baffert there, but boy, those those horses uh those horses were on pretty low prices, right? People act yeah. like they don't want him there, right? So I, I don't think anyone out that much like because I think people did know it was backward. To, to people's credit, I think they did realize that. I would say 4.4 to 1, 9 to 2, something like that. Agreed. Let's talk about another derby trainer. I want to talk about Todd Pletcher. I okay. tweeted this out a few days ago. It, it's uh, – it got some negative reaction, but uh, my question is, is Todd Pletcher the worst Kentucky Derby trainer in modern history? History. Oh. His record now no. stands at uh, two wins out of 62 starts, 
and two seconds, four thirds. Two the the two Derby winners, Super Saver and Always Dreaming, never won another race. Thirty seven of Fletcher's Kentucky Derby runners have finished tenth or worse. Hmm. I, I see your point. I see your point with that, but since he has multiple winners, which the, the weird thing is with me is I'm a little different in that regard. He's got the multiple winners, which I give him credit for, but the two winners that he had, I think were terrible horses. I mean, I, ter- I shouldn't say terrible. Ter- that's, I, I don't like using words. I don't like bad mouthing horses. I, they're horses I didn't like. and I don't think they did anything afterwards, right? Super Saver and Always Dreaming. That was their pinnacle. And they just completely fell off the map after that. I think the Super Saver might have won another race or two. So, I, so I see your nope. point. From, from, he didn't super, win another race. Never, he never won another race. Second at Preakness, didn't he? No, he was off the board in the Preakness, I believe. Oh. The, the flip side of that is he's now he has had some horses that were long odds that came in, but I guess there's a there's a mathematical thing to that where you start sixty horses, eventually you are going to have somebody hit the board, right? I know Invisible Ink was fifty to one, and Bluegrass Cat was a big number. So I give him credit for that, but then when you tell me there's 62 starters, there, there's a uh, the percentages would say that a couple of them should run second. So I get your point. I don't know if he's the worst one ever. I can't say that, but uh, your point is more well taken than than I originally thought. Yeah, well, maybe maybe it's not his time either. You know what what is his time of year? What's his special meet? I don't no. follow him all that much. You know, does that he strange. doesn't peak at Keeneland? Does he peak at, he doesn't ship many into Keeneland and dominate, you know? So I, I, you know, I don't, I just don't know that, but you guys probably already do. Spring, Saratoga, I mean, he does, he does mm-hmm. well in the fall. It's, he, he's, he's pretty he, he well rounded. He gets a lot of big figures at Gulfstream, or used yeah. to. And then, you know, and then he points for Saratoga as well. But, uh, now it's, to me, it's aggravating that his owners want to put their horses through the meat grinder. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and, you know, there's no telling how many of those 62 starters that, you know, could have been really, really good horses that were just ruined by, you know, pushing them to, to this day just to be a part of the show, you know, buy your ticket like everybody else. That is, I don't know. I just, that, that, that bothers me. I, it's not Pletcher's fault. That's what his owners want. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, what if he had said no to some of these owners and said, let's just wait. You know, I'm looking at you, charge it, charge it around 17. This horse has the looks of, of a horse that could be anything. And, you know, he was beaten, well beaten. I, I would so say I he's was, a I was shocked. He's a disappointment yeah. of the Derby, isn't he? To me, I mean, I think of yes. the relative to their chances, I think he's the one that run the worst. I may be forgetting somebody. Cyberknife was 18th. They, they were, Cyberknife was, was basically eased. I don't yeah. know why. But yeah. He was up close to that pace, and I can understand that happening. But Charge, theoretically, this so-called pace uh, thing uh, should have benefited Charge it, right? So, so yeah, I, I could, uh, to me, he's maybe the biggest disappointment. So uh, the day before the Derby, of course, is the Kentucky Oaks, and it was won by Secret Oath for the coach, D. Wayne Lucas. That was his fifth Kentucky Oaks win, and – I tell you what, uh, that was a fairly impressive performance. I didn't like the way she drifted over to the rail mid-stretch, but uh, uh, she got the victory. So, you know, very, very happy for the coach at, in his 80s, octogenarian, winning, uh, winning Kentucky Oaks. It, it's exactly right. He is amazing. Yeah, he really is. And Ness was a pretty good second, more of a grinded-out second. But Seacrow is much better. Seacrow's made the move, right? Ness grinded yep. it out. Seacrow's made the winning move. 
that move around the turn coming for home, everybody saw it and you knew it was game over. Yeah, game and, over. And glad the coach put the horse right where it needed to be. Quit running with the boys. He took a shot. You can't blame him. Now does he come back in the practice? I don't know, but uh, well, that was that was a fun race. I'm glad I bet my super. It was it was a secret oath over nest, secret oath over nest over all over uh, who was the eight horse. I went seven eight in my super, and I can't remember right now. Echo, but Echo Zulu, Kathleen Yeah, maybe it was Echo Zulu, but uh, I was thrilled, and I was the only one that cashed the superfecta. So. Congratulations. Echo Zulu yeah. ran fairly well. Echo Zulu, Echo Zulu has that look of a miler, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Well, yeah, to be fair to her, though, that that was a fairly hot pace in the Oaks. I mean, it wasn't derby like, but you know, they they she had some ch- uh, challenger on the inside was Ujiri, who ran with her early. So yeah, I, you know, I think Echo Zulu's going to come back. She's going to be salty in the. I do too. Point. I think so. that's going to be. a a great race. It's one turn, right? It's a one turn, so I feel like that's more per alley. One turn mile, so that should be uh, should be very interesting. One turn mile and eight, isn't it? It's one turn mile and eight. I may be wrong. No, no, the acorn's a mile. It's a flat mile. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the longer races in in New York come from Saratoga. I think the Mother Goose is sandwiched in there somewhere, but uh, it's not the race it used to be. But, uh, so, uh, I am certain that uh, the winner of the Oaks, Secret Oath, is probably going to go to the Preakness Stakes, how would you surmise her chances in two weeks in Baltimore? Uh, obviously, I have to have a, have a big chance. I think it'd probably be a pretty solid field. The one I'm interested in is the horse I was mildly interested in, the Derby. In retrospect, with the way the pace scenario played out, I'm, I'm glad to see the horse did pass. I think early voting, uh, off the top of my head, again, I got to see how everybody, how this pace scenario plays out. I got to see who all shows up. But I'll be looking at early voting initially. In, in that race, because I was really impressed in the wood. I thought she dug in and had a hard time letting that uh, one pace grinder, at least in my opinion, uh, Mo Donegal get by her. So get by him. So I'm, I'm thinking early voting, but I, I got to think Secret also player. Here's but a that, perspective field creative minister who won a lounge race on Derby Day early in the card. I think this horse has a bright future. I, I did well with that one. That, that's that's a really nice horse. Early voting, epicenter, ethereal road. Rattle and roll. I thought rattle and roll. They've got him as a probable. I thought he's off the trail, but, uh, that's what DRF lists him on here. Of course, Rich Strike, Secret Oath, Shake em Loose, Simplification, ran a nice race in the Derby, finished fourth. Skippy Longstocking for Safi Joseph. Unoho stretched, uh, earlier from the, uh, from Derby contention. I bet they're kicking themselves. Probably thinking yeah. they could probably, uh, get part of that, uh, that Derby. You know, after the big pace. And then, of course, Zandon is on the fence. It's not like Chad Brown to, to swing him back in two weeks. So maybe maybe we won't see Zandon maybe until the Belmont. Yeah. You know, maybe I haven't talked about it enough earlier. Epicenter and Zandon ran big-time races. They both ran really yeah. well. And that, that's what makes what makes uh, Rich Strike's effort so much more impressive. He went, he went by two horses that were not stopping, had perfect trips, and are really, really good horses. Who both of them are players the rest of the year. I mean, you got to think Zandon's a, a Travers possibility, so on and so forth. Uh, Epicenter's going to win his share of races. Um, so I don't think Zandon's going to go. Be my, I would be surprised if he went, but if he did, he's a player. You know, that horse still has some yeah. uh, improving to do. But early voting is one kind of piques my interest there. Do you have anything CC for that? I don't. Don't. 
As far as and what? That, I'm sorry. The Preakness. Any of those horses stick out to you Preakness-wise? Uh, early voting would be the one just because we've seen it before with uh, his other uh, uh, Preakness winner, whose name has escaped me now, a Cloud Computing. Oh, yeah, that one hurts. That one still hurts me. I remember that uh, one. Yeah. yeah, he ran down Classic Empire late, but uh, yeah. That, well, let me, ask, let me ask you this. Rich Strikes possibly. The, the, the thing with Rich, people can be like, oh, the tight turns, the mile three sixteenth. My issue with him for that, that is, I mean, he's going to, I mean, he run a huge number. Is he going to be able to replicate that effort off two weeks rest? I mean, that's, when you run a career top like that, to do that off two weeks, that's going to be hard to do, right? What do you think? Well, sometimes uh, you strike when the iron's hot, right? I, I don't blame him for going. I'll be, I'll be pulling for him. Yeah, I think. I think, you know, the horse is in form. Sometimes they, you know, they, the three-year-olds, they'll, they'll hold off on that bounce until later, you know, after a series of races. So, you know, I think it's worth a what, try. Did you read what uh, Mr. Reed said, though, about the horse? What's that? They, they, they've never yet found the bottom. I Meaning see that. every time he comes out of a race, he doesn't lose a lot of weight. He actually gains weight. That's what he said in the interview because I watched every single thing on YouTube. Anything that went on YouTube, I watched it with Eric Reed and the groom. And I thought that was so interesting and a big take that just stuck in my mind that maybe this horse does have a shot. I think Belmont would be a heck of a challenge because he's going to have fresh shooters. But, uh, I mean, I think the horse got a big chance in the Preakness, no doubt. You know, well, mind that bird in second in Rachel Alexander's Preakness. And, you know, he yeah. would have been, you know, had, had Rachel stayed with Hal Wiggins and not, not changed hands to Stone Street and Steve Asmussen. I mean, Hal Wiggins had no interest in running in the Preakness. Yeah, Asmussen changed that schedule. I mean, mind that bird would have won the Preakness fairly easily, and and gone on to you know possibly win a triple crown. And you know, Giacomo, fifty to one in the Derby, came back to run third to a Fleet Alex in that Preakness. So you know, there's a history of these Derby long shots coming back and running well in the Preakness. So and you know, going back to a horse we featured a few weeks ago, Cannonero the second, yeah, won the Preakness. Fairly easily. So after, you know, after being part of the mutual field in the Derby. So, it, it, I mean, the, the numbers prove them. So this horse is legit. He's a legitimate horse. The concern is that he is pace dependent. That's the only concern. Mm-hmm. I think he's a, he, I think he is a Belmont threat, uh, being by Keen Ice. And, you know, again, I come back to Eric Reed. If, if I mean, Eric Reed and Sonny Leon, there's a horse they have, and, and Caitlin, if she listens, she'll know this, Yaw Beauty. They have a horse called Yaw Beauty that runs at Turf Lake, and they both – and Sonny rides a horse, and that horse just gets better and better the longer it goes. There's a mile and a quarter race this year at Turf Lake that Yaw Beauty won, and Sonny Leone gave that horse the most daring – it was ton, had a ton of horse. It was much the best, but he threaded the needle on the rail and just bulled his way through, and the horse just kept getting better and better as, as the race went on, just drew off and aired in a mile and a quarter race. I can see I can see the mile and a half of the Belmont being up this horse alley if he can stay in good form, right? If he's going to run the Preakness, that's going to be a tall task. But uh, I, I, I almost wish the horse would skip it and go to the Belmont. But, again, I may be yeah. wrong about that. So. Yeah. But like CC says, he thinks he can hold his form for two weeks, and I hope he does. I think he'll probably be six to one. I don't know. Unless, I mean, if, unless, he, uh, if he came out of the derby without losing weight and eating all the food and hay that he, they feed him and, you know, he – Maintaining weight and gains weight, I I think he's got a huge shot. I hope he does. I'd love to see it. I mean, it's I think America. He may not be sixty ones. I think America may get behind this horse a little bit. So we'll see. I yeah, usually, I'll, I'll wait through the triple crown. 
Huh? <laughs> I usually hold my weight through the triple crown trail. <laughs> I feel you, brother. I need to get rid of some of this weight. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, but how how wild though? The other story about Sonny not having one mount. It's like coming off the bench in yeah. the NBA Final Four, Game Seven, with one minute and thirty seconds to play, and you're staying out, and you got to hit, you know, three threes in a row. I mean, God, and. and the confidence level of him, he wasn't shook. He no. seemed so confident. I mean, I'm over the moon about his his just demeanor, his, you know, his mindset and how he just dominated and took it coming off the bench. Never had one mount. Has not ridden a Churchill down since, what, 2020? Yeah. It I is, mean, it is it, staggering. God, it's such a wild but an unbelievable thing. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal Rosario, oh, yeah. Gaffleon, yeah. amazing. It really is. Does the he move his sack away from uh, Belterra? He's got to, right? You, you got to strike while the iron's hot, don't you? You got to. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Then maybe he <laughs> is it. his home. Yeah. He's making money there. I looked him up. His stats are good. He's He's got a good lifestyle, I'm sure. He's a family man, like he's already sta- you know stated. And, uh, he's on vacation right now. So, I mean – what, a, what how can you end it any better? Where does this rank? Because again, we 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 are a little more in tune with this than some other people in the sporting world. But what how improbable this victory is? Because this victory was indeed improbable. Uh, where does this stand uh, in some of the greatest upsets in this? It's not just horse racing; it's sporting history. CC is there anything that comes to mind? Is there anything that you can draw a parallel with? Buster Douglas over Tyson. You think so? I mean, even then, I think I think I mean that's beating one guy. I mean, this, he, uh, I was thinking Chaminade, Virginia. Chaminade, uh, Division Two for school beat number one Virginia back in uh, the early 80s down in Hawaii. But uh, there was an upset, but the stakes weren't as high. Agreed, agreed. If Villanova, Georgetown, I can't even say Villanova, Georgetown back in the day because they're in the same conference, right? Um, I mean, they had NBA athletes, even though it's, that, that did feel improbable. North Carolina State, Houston. Joe Namath over the Colts. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think where it would rank, but it, it's hard, right? Maybe like Mercer gotta, knocking off Alabama or something in football. <laughs> we we need to work happened. on this. We got to dig deep and find it because there's not many parallels to this one. Yeah. I mean, who beat uh, Man of War? Was it? I was upset. Upset beat Man of War. Hence the name, right? Jim Dandy beat uh, War Admiral, right? Or World Away. And you know he he gets the stakes named after him. Jim Dandy was wasn't he one hundred to one something like that back in the thirties? Um, yeah. What about Blame? Losing the onion and prove out. Those Did you already say Blame beating Zenyatta? Blame was like five to one. Uh, yeah, Blame. I, I, yeah. I blame yeah. on top. Yeah. <laughs> Maryland Baltimore <laughs> County beat Virginia as a sixteen seed, but even then I can't put that because Virginia was like one of those tenuous one seeds. And they missed uh, a player too. Yeah, so right. I don't know. It's, it's up there. It's 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 a, it's a remarkable development. There probably is no parallel to horse, in horse racing for the longest odds. The whole scenario we just named. There's probably nothing like that. See, I, you think about, think about Cannon Arrow the second though. Yeah. But besides that one, yeah. You, yeah. You, even Gosh. though the, the odds were depressed because he was in the mutual field, but think about that. That horse just came out. Of, I mean, similar to like Marshall Lorraine in the Breeders' Cup. We know anything yeah. about that horse, and right. you know that, that it, it 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 took me a minute to figure out you know how did this happen. Agreed. You know, 
So. Uh, I think it's way up there because I, I, you can make the case for R. Kong in the Breeders' Cup Classic. He's 133 to one, but still that he's 133 because he came from overseas. So we didn't know anything about him, and he still had Jerry Bailey on him, right? When the, you know, the, this was right. Sonny Leon shipping in from Belterra. Not that this is nothing against Sonny Leon. I think he's a fine rider, nope. but uh, it, it's hard to draw a true parallel. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so we've we've talked about the Derby for 40, almost 47 minutes now. Wow. Anything else you want to uh, declare before we uh, call it a night? I know uh, there was a ton of other races. Uh, Alan, you want to hit on the Chad Brown filly that? Uh, that oh, really, uh, that's did, the horse that impressed me this week. And of course, I know the horse was a was it a French Derby winner or something or a, a, a graded stakes winner? I believe it's France. Speak of the devil, they won early on, early in the day on Saturday. Just yeah, I, I, yeah, I get busy later in the day, so I don't get to see some of the later races. But I thought that was, I mean, wasn't much of a field. It, uh, the, in Italian is a really nice Chad Brown runner too. But man, that horse is sitting at a slow pace and he, she went by him like she was standing still. Uh, we, uh, that horse can be an absolute player the rest of the year here in America. Uh, speak of the devil. Well, you uh, could probably pencil her in for the just the game on the Breeders' Cup, or excuse me, the Belmont card. So maybe, maybe they'll put her in the right spot. We can single her. Oh, unless Charlie Appleby's coming over again with a couple of his monsters. That's true. But that we that I don't know about. But yeah, man, I, I, that was that was impressive to watch. That was that was that was a jaw dropper. It's kind of like a Rich Strikes a stretch run. But uh, you know, I, I th- tell you, uh, go ahead, Brandon. I think you know a, a turf monster that's been a, t- a good turf trainer, but now is a turf monster is Brennan Walsh. His Friday and Saturday winning the big turf races. I, I was a little shocked at one of them, not, and then not the second one because I knew not to leave him out on Saturday. Yeah, Santine. But I still couldn't. Santine. Yeah, Santine. And then uh, that was ridden by Tyler, I, if I, I believe. And then he had Saez on a different mount and on the Godolphin horse. Oh, I can't think of the name on on Friday. But man, I you New know Year's those Day. those yeah that's Our right. Buddy those CC horse, was all over that one. He was he told yeah. me early today bet New Year's Day. Yeah, and I'm telling you, that horse was probably, I think, six, seven, eight to one. Both of his runners were, yeah, were higher odds. So, I, you know, congrats to Brendan Walsh and his team, uh, for conditioning those runners and they, they tore up that new turf course. Congrats to CC on calling that one early in the day. That's one thing. Yeah. The turf course yielded a lot of back of the pack runners, right? Outside, but outside. Right. I think, uh, Saez and Roger Atfield had one. Thursday, the one the opening birthdays, and names escaping me, but that horse did go wire to wire, and I think there was a wire to wire winner on opening day. All the other races came from behind, right? The yeah, winners? so far, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, I think the rail was—I mean, the rail was like at zero feet, if I'm not mistaken, over the weekend. So that when the rail was up earlier in the meet, speed was doing fairly well. So, but of course, there was a small sample size. You should never take too much from that. But, uh, you know, yeah. And then Michelle's horse, changing control, ran a big, big second and almost took the, what race was that? CC that she was in on Thursday. Got beat yeah, by, uh, five furlong turf, five and a furlong turf race. It was, the, 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 Toby's heart's the one that nailed her on the wire. It was, it was a hell of an effort. Is it the Mamzelle? The Mamzelle, yeah. No, Toby's heart. no, 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 no. That's, that's this coming Saturday. Yeah. I don't. They they all run together after a while. It's not, I don't pretend I know everything. I never will. The unbridled Sydney. Unbridled Sydney. I believe that's was right. a really good turf sprinter for Ronnie Werner back in the day, as I recall. So, 
But you know what? That actually it segues into something. When the derby's over, I, you know, the derby's fun. But once it's over, you can kind of settle in a little bit, and the Churchill meet kind of takes over. To me personally, that's like my bread and butter. That's what I like, the everyday racing at Churchill. So don't get me wrong, Derby Week is fun, but once all that's gone, all the hubbub is gone, you can settle down and just kind of uh, settle, in, settle in my little uh, Saturday Churchill routine and stuff or whatever. So I, I kind of like this week as it kind of tapers off a bit. Yeah, it's – Sorry, Brandon, I'm going to interrupt you a minute. No. One note on Thursday. We'll try to get this podcast out before then. But Jeremy's jet for Mr. McEntee is going to make his debut, and that's that's a horse that he mentioned. That the, I yeah. think they like this horse quite a bit. So uh, if you're playing Thursday Thursday evening, might take a look at Jeremy's jet. Okay, I'll take a look. I'll take a really really enjoyed having Mr. McEntee on. He was fantastic. I've got a $174 hangover in my account, so I'll be looking to deploy it on Thursday. You got it. I'll be at a bad game, but I'll try to keep an eye on it. All right. That's all I've got. Brandon, I'm I'm sorry to say this, but I'm sick of hearing your voice. <laughs> and, but I'm glad you joined us. I am too. I, you know, it was a fun derby. It was an exciting derby. I'm 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 thrilled with the outcome, and uh, hopefully we can see more of that type of stuff as the meet goes forward, as as the racing goes forward this year. Yep, it's time to adjust your plays. Churchill Downs is back in form with turf. It's going to be a different meet than it was last year, and I can't wait to see a real meet. Yep. Okay, here we go. That's the end of uh, episode number 105 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. On behalf of Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers and millions of others. This is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.